Chapter Seventeen of the Submarine Boys and the Spies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Submarine Boys and the Spies by Victor G. Durham. Chapter Seventeen Drummond's Little Surprise for Himself. It didn't happen just that way. As Drummond swung his cane and brought it down with crushing force aimed at the submarine boy's head Jack wasn't there Instead Benson sprang about two feet to one side It would have been a fearful blow had Jack's head been in the way as it was the cane hit the ground with such force as to be thrown from the Englishman's hand with a growl the fellow leaped forward and snatched up his stick Jack Benson stood leaning carelessly against a tree in a way that enraged Drummond all the more I'll show you snarled the Englishman and with that he aimed a blow sideways at Benson's head Jack ducked then dodged out the cane hit the tree with a force that jarred the assailant and all but dislocated his wrist again he dropped the stick Benson gave a hearty ringing laugh and this enraged the Englishman past endurance and then Jack added is that the best you can do I'll show you roared the other making a leap forward he charged straight at the submarine boy who wheeled and darted on toward the hotel don't run you coward came the flying taunt just then Jack Benson fell though he did it on purpose straight in the path of the irate Englishman the submarine boy dropped curling himself up it was too late for Drummond to halt or to change his course. He tripped over prostrate young Benson, then lurched forward, landing on his face. Up sprang Jack Benson, planting two sterling good kicks. You beast, wait till I get up, roared the victim in a voice like a bull's bellow. What's the matter here? demanded an astonished voice, and Mr. Trotter, after a short dash, bounded through the darkness, arriving on the scene just as Drummond was getting up this fellow began jack fellow broke in drummond angrily this fellow jack continued calmly accused me of causing miss peddinson's arrest and promised to brain me too bad you've allied yourself with that young woman muttered mr trotter looking keenly into the englishman's face what do you mean demanded drummond miss peddinson turns out to be a well-known military and naval spy though she hasn't operated in this country before in five years replied mr trotter coolly however she's been caught trying to steal the secrets of the submarine boat and she's under arrest my side partner packwood is now engaged in unraveling a cipher that was taken from her that's an impudent lie asserted the englishman hotly no it isn't laughed mr trotter it's a secret service fact I'm going to go to Miss Peddinson now then asserted Drummond right oh drawled Trotter so significantly that Drummond shot a quick look at the officer demanding what do you mean by that I'm going to take you to Miss Peddinson returned the Secret Service man I'll go all the way to Washington by tonight's Express to see the young lady freed from this outrageous mistake stormed the Englishman I don't know about your going to Washington tonight replied Trotter yawning what have you to do with that demanded Drummond harshly why I reckon mr. Drummond you're my prisoner you won't very easily go anywhere tonight without my consent your prisoner demanded the Englishman angrily yes by what right do you have to arrest me what have I done 
Well, for one thing, you've tried to injure the captain of the submarine boat, all because he caught your woman friend at strange tricks on board the Benson. For another reason, because we suspect anyone who defends or upholds the spy. Be good enough to step along with me, Mr. Drummond. I'll do nothing of the sort, blurted the astounded Englishman. You'll go all the same, warned Mr. Trotter, first of all displaying his Secret Service badge, next running a hand back briefly to a revolver that rested in a hip pocket. I don't much care, Drummond, whether you walk with me or whether I have to send for an ambulance to bring you along, but you'll go just where I want you to. The Englishman was much too terrified to reply. Two or three times he opened his mouth as though to speak, but instead merely swallowed. Come now, forward, march, advised Mr. Trotter. Drummond, without allowing himself to hesitate, went away at the side of the Secret Service man. "'Don't you want your cane?' called Jack Benson. Drummond did not condescend to answer, so the submarine boy slipped back to the tree where he found the stick. It was a handsome piece of polished partridge wood, surmounted by a handsomely wrought head of gold. Oh, "'This will make an interesting souvenir to keep aboard the boat,' mused Benson, swinging the stick as he continued his walk. At the veranda, Jack came face to face with Mademoiselle Nadiboff just returning from an unaccompanied stroll down by the waterfront. To the submarine boy's astonishment, the handsome Russian greeted him most amiably. "'You have not forgotten old friends, I hope, my captain,' she added, smiling and with a pretty little coaxing way. "'There are some old friends,' replied Captain Jack, lifting his cap, "'whom it is impossible to forget.' "'I hope you will continue to regard me as a friend,' responded Mademoiselle Nadiboff more seriously, looking him fully in the eyes. "'Why?' queried Jack. "'I may need a friend,' she replied, dropping her glance for a moment. "'You? In need of anything? Even a friend?' cried Captain Jack incredulously. "'I may need a friend who can speak a good word for me, who can forget things or explain them,' went on Mademoiselle Nadiboff resting a hand pleadingly on his sleeve my captain if need be i shall send for you do not fail me you won't it looked as though the tears lay just behind her eyes the submarine boy felt that the situation was becoming a little too interesting so he lifted his cap once more as he turned on his heel mademoiselle nadiboff he sent back to her i trust you will never want for the most reliable friends he turned down the veranda to go toward the office door, when he encountered another surprise. Leaning against one of the posts stood Kamenoko, as natty and trim as though he had come from the tailor's. Looking up with a most friendly smile, the little Japanese saluted. "'Why, how do you do?' Jack greeted him, halting. "'I had an idea you had left Spruce Beach.' "'I should have done so, but I started too late,' replied Kamenoko, still smiling. Nothing ever daunts that Japanese smile. One of these little men, being led away to have his head chopped off, goes with a smile on his little brown face. "'Started too late?' asked Jack. "'How was that?' "'Now you laugh at me,' replied the Japanese. "'Laughing at you? Not a bit.' "'You have told someone that I am a spy,' replied Kamenoko, without a trace of grudge in his voice. "'So now I cannot leave Spruce Beach. Ticket agent, he will not sell me.' If I try to go on foot, the roads are watched. If I take two woods even, I shall be found. Sorry, nodded Jack Benson, and passed on. So the Secret Service net is around the place, 
and no suspected person can get away muttered the submarine boy well that's how it should be i wonder if there are any more of this strange crew men or women spies that don't happen to be suspected so far if there are i don't believe they'll wriggle through the meshes of old uncle sam's secret service net anyway his mind full of the doings of the day captain jack benson found messrs farnum and to whom he surely had much to tell end of chapter seventeen